0: hello everybody and welcome to busy playing something this is episode three of busy playing something live i am sean your host for today and i am joined by the tarnished one joshua
1: Larosa, with his coffee in tow is that is that coffee black as my soul my friend and i just want to make note speaking of black second week no black t-shirt we're all a little impressed i can tell especially ricky (laughs) yeah well he's obviously Uh, wearing the
0: white t-shirt ricky welcome uh we are a little bit delayed today. We're not going to say why, but uh, good to have you here.
2: <laughs> it was I was the reason we were late. I'm not trying never to up, <laughs> Never update your computer before the podcast. Just let it sit as it is. Don't trust Windows because Windows are, uh, they're the devil.
1: And never just, never trust PCs in general. I mean, saying this, I know we're three episodes into live, but there's a, there's a hefty back catalog of me telling you not to use PCs. Yeah, but that's because you don't understand them wow doesn't yeah, look like that, ricky understands them either
2: <laughs> I, I hang on hang on for all the pc nerds out there i definitely didn't just buy this which is the um ryzen 9 5900x which is like the fucking cream of the crop when it comes to uh gaming cpus i literally just picked this up two today before the podcast started so wait did you um, did yeah.
0: you try and set that up before the podcast
2: no no that's not what i was doing um mm. no. i literally like no because i got that you know uh how like OzPost now you can do like same day delivery but it comes between like six and nine at night i ordered this last night from i think scorp tech and it was like oh it's the same price like it doesn't cost any extra for express post or next day delivery i was like i'll just get next day delivery and then i looked at the window it was like from six till nine and i'm like oh that's like right in the middle of the podcast potentially so thankfully he showed up just before we went live um but yeah this was uh this is this is the bad boy this is the, this is the ultimate of the ultimate when it comes to uh, gaming CPUs so um, I'm never going to get out of the CPU the, the, the gaming computer uh, uh, life cycle. I'm just sucked in now
0: yeah where you've got to buy an upgrade you know every 12 months. My next cool. thing I'm getting is
2: a thirty eighty. Oh,
1: okay. I mean you know this is what I've been dealing with. i had I've got Ricky with these updates. I remember at one point Sean's computer would just turn off randomly. Yes. for no reason. yes, but, yes, and um, but
2: we we can't podcast on p s fives. That's the problem until they mm. really integrate discord properly into it, which I think they're planning on doing. but uh, yeah, we can't podcast on p s five. so well,
0: you know that uh, like I, I was seeing a lot That's of stores. <laughs> I was seeing a lot of stores, they had p s fives available for pre-order today. And I yes. guess, for about two hours well that's the thing i saw the message and it was like a like the, i saw the message like five hours after it was posted and i didn't see an update to say that they'd sold out
1: no they, no, they definitely they, did. They they did, did yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Were, yeah
2: the the eb games one i didn't see the eb games one until it was the by the way this is now sold out and i was like i wonder what they're talking about could have guessed sort of the went to the, like the reply post and it was yeah it was ps5s with um was either Forza or... Not Forza, sorry. Um, Gran Turismo it's or... Or
1: Gran Turismo, yeah. You'd wish yeah,
2: it was yeah. Forza.
0: You'd wish it was Forza as the PlayStation yeah. player, to be honest, but... No. Oh, well, well. We will move on anyway. <laughs> so we do have a, a question that we, we want to try and cover at the start of this episode. And that question is, do we love nerd culture? Do we go to events? And why or why not? Now... Ricky, I'm gonna start with you because well, mm. you and I we've we've had a little bit of history ourselves going to these nerd conventions, if we're gonna continue calling them that, uh, for a number of years.
2: Yep. Yeah, we used to go to packs um, with our uni club back in the back in the good old days. Um, yeah, I used to go to stuff like Comic Con, like I was Comic Con Supernova, that sort of stuff, and because yeah, I had friends that cosplayed, and I was just sort of like the tag along in the star Wars shirt or something that just sort of like held their bags and stuff or they dressed up and, and did shit. And I was more like interested in like the art section. Like i go to see all the artists and that and like buy artwork. Like you can't really see it. You can see a little bit behind me, but like I've got a lot of artwork up in this room and all of it is from like original Australian artists that do like pop culture inspired artwork. So I've got like Dragon Ball Z stuff, Halo stuff up here, alien versus predator stuff over there. So that's what I enjoyed about it. But I think the older that I get, the more that i just don't care <laughs> the more like being around that many people just gives me like secondhand anxiety just thinking about it. i'm just like i don't i don't want to do that especially like in a post-covid world yeah. i just I'm, I'm, I'm done like i'm good with it people can go and, and and you know cosplayers especially like that's their showcase that's where they go and do their thing but for someone who isn't a part of that culture really and just likes cool artwork i'm just well the internet exists so i can go on amazon and buy something cool yeah if i want to stick it up in my room but yeah i just i i don't know i think i'm just beyond that now at this point in life
1: josh are you in the same boat i've never i was never part of it to begin with i think i've been to one uh event and that was when i was uh quite young i think i ended up buying a keyblade that's how dorky i was back in the day oh, but um nice.
2: classic
1: you got to get yourself a nice metal keyblade that you leave at your parents house hoping they not find it and remind you to pick it up. And then your mum's like, what is this? And I'm like, don't, don't worry. It's got something to do with the, there's Mickey Mouse, there's Final Fantasy characters in there. There's you a know, new game. A fourth one now, there's a new one. There's about Yeah. Uh, you, but
2: I you couldn't, you couldn't explain <laughs> Kingdom Hearts to me last week and I play video games. Imagine explaining it to your mum.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I've surprisingly never really been part of it. And I think Sean, you know this um, from our experiences in the past. Like I've never really delved into it. Like I like having this as my... It, I'm kind of, like, on my own island, the way I think about it, right? I've got, like, we work on this podcast, and it's great. Like, I love having these conversations. You can tell that I'm very, like, into it a lot of the times. Um, but generally, it's kind of like my own private pocket. I'm not surrounded by people a lot of the times who play games or into this type of stuff. So, you know, I pretty much go in the theater, close the door, and I'm in my own little world, and I step out of it, and then I'm back in reality. But, uh, yeah, it's never really appealed to me. I don't know. I've never been into the the cosplaying side of things i don't know i just i felt like i couldn't pull any of it off even if i tried but yeah I, i've kind of just never been a part of it is as, as much as i am like considered by my friends as the biggest dog they know right like look behind me but yeah it's just never really been part of my life but i know sean you've got a a, a very long history with you know conventions and, and yeah. nerd culture in general and even going back to u- your uni days but yeah for me not so much
0: yeah, I've uh, I've been to a fair few uh, different conventions. I've stopped going to a lot of the side ones. I kind of focus on just like the main ones, like packs. Um, I've gone for a multitude of different reasons. Like uh, I've gone cosplaying. So I went to, I think it was a um, uh, some anime convention or whatever it was. And I just went in a ghillie suit with a nerf gun and that was it. Like I'm just looking around at stuff. But I find like a lot of the conventions nowadays... You, you want to go for the artists. You want to go for... If it's games, you want to have a look at what the, the local indie games are. Um, you don't... You're not necessarily going to go to buy stuff because mm. you can buy that stuff elsewhere. Like, sometimes you might get it at a discount, sure, but, um, like, Josh, you and I have had experience working at, you know, one of these, and it, it's all the same old, same old. Like, there's no, there's no mm. real big difference as to, you know, going to a local shop and buying the exact same thing. So a lot of my experience is just going with friends so packs mm. the last couple of years uh, that i have gone so not the digital covid ones uh, obviously uh, so the beforehand mm. i i go buy the uh, the 3 day pass i go the first day maybe with a friend but most of the time by myself and then the second day all my mates would come in we'd have a look for an hour or two and then we'd hit the bars yeah and
1: then That's the thing. Yeah. Sunday was and
0: kind I, of like, if we miss something or there's something we want to watch, we'll go.
1: And I will say, I think this is a purely Australian thing because if I was in a world where I could go to E3 or go to any of those big exhibitions, Gamescom, TG, like all those big, big, the big players, I would be all in, in that. I'd be breaking in to see the Sony conference. You know that, right? Like I'd yeah. be, you know, hiding under the stands. I'd be doing anything. I'd be like, shoo, sure, Just let me in. Um, but I think it's a purely Australian thing. Like our, uh, you know, conferences and our... What would you call them? Yeah.
0: Uh, I would say conferences and showcases. Expos,
2: whatever. Expos. They're
1: They're more of a... They're always more fan-geared, right? You do have some, you know, talent that would come out, but it's more about the community getting together and doing all those things. We're not going to... You're not going to go out there and see, like, the newest PlayStation game. I remember when I went that one time, it was uh, prior to the console launch for PS4 and Xbox One, and they had an Xbox One... Uh, Sorry, yeah, Xbox One on display. That was the Xbox section. It was just that empty room with just the console in the middle. So it's not like, you know, get your hands on Rise, Son of Rome early or do any of that stuff. So I think it's a little different here in Australia.
2: Yeah, I think the one time that we like had a... The closest we get to like a trade show, I think, me and Sean did media for EB Expo in like Mm. 2014.
0: It was their first one uh, up in Sydney. We did the drive.
2: Yeah, we drove because like, we, we yes. got media passes through uni, but they didn't get them to us like a week before the event. So we were like, Sean rang me. He's like, oh, we got the media pass. I'm like, cool. We got a week to find flights. And it was like, well, we might as well just drive because it'd be going to be cheaper to pay for petrol at this point. So we drove Absolutely. from Melbourne to Sydney. Um, stayed at like family of, of your... Your yeah, uncle's my place uncle, in which, Sydney. Which,
0: okay, like there's, there's a whole thing there because I didn't know it was my uncle until like a year beforehand. Then it found out, oh, by the way, long lost uncle. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, cool. We'll, we'll stay at his place. Yeah. It's <laughs> so not we, we, we stayed there. We go, at all.
2: We, go to, we go to the EB Expo, which was at Homebush where the Olympics were. And like it was good. It was a good day, like a good couple of days. Um, and like that was as close because we did get like pre hands on with stuff. Like I remember playing Splatoon before it came yep. out. Um, and even we, being did like we play this the is order is as well? Shit. i think so yeah we played order it was 1865 yeah eight, yeah. It was Not 1886. 1886. 1886, yeah we we played like yeah.
0: half the game in 15 minutes <laughs> yeah yeah there
2: was like we actually got to go. i think one of the assassins creed whatever the next unity? one coming out
0: yeah uh, unity been. was the next one because it was uh, yeah. it was 2014 so it was unity and rogue but like they really didn't focus on rogue they focused on unity because they wanted the co-op yeah, of and then the, the big gen. thing, yeah. the
2: big thing, and the thing that took up probably the most space of that whole expo was Evolve, and they had um. this huge, this huge setup. They had like the life size, like the the monster of players, like it was just like this huge like thing that, like, there's a video on YouTube of me and Sean, like I cut it together. It was like all the footage we got just cut down to like a little montage and stuff. And I remember like the line into the Evolve playthrough was just this rotating door all day. People would get in, play a game get out line up again and just continue playing I remember me and him talking like on the way back from from city being like this is going to be like the next big esport like it's it was yeah. so fucking popular on the day we we're like you know it's, it's a built-in thing where you've got like you have a team of five and you can train like do like training because you've got your your one monster and your four hunters and stuff so it's like you know dota league where you got a team and like everyone has a specific role and it was like this is this is going to be huge and then it dropped and then.
0: Yeah, it failed nothing. miserably.
2: <laughs> but like, it was, it was crazy, like just going to like one of those trade shows and being like, you kind of get an idea of what people are interested in. Mm. And then the reality, like, you know, three months later when everything actually launches can sometimes be a, a very stark difference.
0: And actually that trip kind of like, that, that was a wild experience because while we were staying over at my uncle's, we, we met up with a couple of his friends and one of them worked on like the Matrix films in the special yeah. effects department and the other guy worked on Star Wars and it's like, what is going on here? Like,
2: Yeah. Also, <laughs> the, the worst part about that trip though was like we went out the night after, like the Saturday night um, yeah. of the expo and Sydney is a, like I'm not going to be ashamed to say, it. I fucking hate Sydney, I think it's a terrible town. Um, it, the way that it's like set up, like just logistically terrible it is it's a maze and they've got very like they don't have like the tram network or the train network that we have here in melbourne it's nothing it's all like either buses or like taxis or there was like the light rail which only ran until like midnight or something we were there the weekend that daylight savings switched over and it was like all public transport pretty much like ceased at around 2 a.m and at 159 it went from 2 a.m directly to 3 a.m And there was no, like, grace period there where it was like, oh, we're going to run the buses for, like, an extra half hour or something. No. Everything stopped. The entire city just went blank. And we ended up, I think, walking most of the way from the CBD to your uncle's place, which was, like, it was, like, an hour.
0: About an hour, yeah.
2: It was a long walk because it was, like, in the outer, like, western suburbs near Homebush-ish kind of area. And, yeah, it's just, like, if it was in Melbourne, it would have been, like, I'll just get a tram or... A train or whatever, and it was just not, no nothing Ubers at that just... time,
0: and the taxis no, were expensive. No u- Uber, as shit. Uber,
2: yeah, taxis were expensive. Ubers didn't exist. We were like, we had enough money, I think, to get a tank of fuel on the way home between us. Yeah, because um, we were poor, starving uni <laughs> students. But yeah, it was just like the whole city just stopped dead at two slash three a.m., and we were like, how the fuck do we get back to where we were staying? Ah, uh, Sydney, you're a dumb town. So
0: so yeah, Josh, as you could probably hear, <laughs> um, like. There there are, I guess, like every convention is different and you have different experiences and it's what you make of that convention. I don't think, and I I agree with you in a sense, in Australia, we don't have a convention that's like, yeah, that's the thing to do. Like even PAX is kind of like, a, yeah, I'll go with my friends or I'll go to the board games place cause, and play against people there because you're not going to be able to really find that elsewhere. It's it's not the same as America at mm. all.
1: No. No. Mm. And even there, E3 is dead, so who cares? Yeah, well, E3 is dead now, (laughs) but anyway. Rest
2: rest in piss, E3, rest in piss. Rip. Oh, I got a
0: cat under my foot. Anyway, so we are going to move on. Um, I think we've spoken about uh, the EB Expo a little bit more than we should. We are going to talk about which games we've played this week. So I've continued playing Satisfactory. I'm very much enjoying it. I'm trying some weird shit, and it's fun. Uh, Ricky, what are you playing?
2: Um, just Lego Star Wars. Like, I've had, it's been a very busy few weeks at work, um, so I haven't had time to like, just sit down and go, like, all right, I'm going to play. Because Elden Ring, like, you sit down and you play, and it's like four hours, five hours past like that. Lego Star Wars, I got on the Switch so I could just like, pick it up, play 15, 20 minutes, play through a mission, and then put it back down. And also, I bought Kirby, but I haven't started it
1: yet. So
2: I'm keen right. to start it,
1: though. And Josh? Still stuck. Still, still an Elden Ring. Um, I, I went away camping with my what, my wife. I'm going to get, get yeah, used to saying it's, that. It's your I'm wife. Like, so anything goes here on this podcast. <laughs> um, but we went camping over the, the, the Easter break. So I've uh, just gotten back and I'm thinking about another five, six hours since last week. I've been Nochron, for those who are. oh uh,
2: Yeah. So. Nokron's sick. Yeah.
1: Nokron's pretty good. Cool. No but yeah, it's still Elden Ring. So nothing new to update yet. Alrighty. So with that, we are going to move to the shoe
0: report and we're going to go to the main story that we do want to talk about today. And we've got a little bit of discussion about it. And I think it is a discussion that kind of gets mentioned a fair bit, but not really. nothing's really done about it. And the reason being is that it's about backwards compatibility and why it's important and why game preservation is not really a thing. However, perhaps it should be. Um, you know, we have it for film, we have it for music, we have vaults, we have archives, we have collections. You don't get that so- sort of thing for video games, uh, mostly because you know, if you have a finished product, you've got all the everything else behind it. We just save that, and people just don't want to put in the effort yet. So, uh, with with that, with in saying that, backwards compatibility is great. Everyone mostly likes it for that reason, and so big news that Nintendo. Uh, are rumored to, or at least we kind of thought they were. They did say that they were going to, but now we're starting to see some more uh, fleshed out news about it that they have their own virtual console uh, basically in the works for the Switch in the form of a GBA emulator. So, and this is according to uh, like one of the major leakers uh, on Twitter, so Trash Bandit Coot. Uh, files have been leaked onto 4 Yeah, great name. Uh, Files have been leaked onto 4 chan which include a Nintendo-developed GBA emulator and a Game Boy emulator, both developed by Nintendo. The last update to the service uh, was in September, which is the subscription service that Nintendo uses for um, what was going to use for the virtual console. Uh, The update was in September when Nintendo announced Nintendo 64 and Sega Genesis games would join the service via Nintendo Switch Online and the expansion back. So, there's a little bit here to unpack we kind of knew that it was a thing. Josh,
1: I want to hear your thoughts about how Nintendo have kind of gone about this. Yeah, they've really tackled backwards compatibility in a weird way, and they haven't ever really been good about it. Like, you think about a game... Um, speaking of Game Boy games, like a Metroid Fusion, right? You'd, you'd own it on 3DS, you wouldn't own it on Wii U, you buy it again on Wii U, now they're going to sell it to you a third time on, on Switch. Uh, so, I think out of the three, Nintendo... Currently, uh, you know what, Sony's pretty bad. at, And they're going to introduce backwards compatibility, but in some form. Um, But Nintendo are notorious about, like, charging you for the same game multiple times on new generation of hardware each and every time. Nothing generally carries through. We've spoken about the Wii U store uh, (laughs) coming to a a, a sad end. Same thing with the 3DS. Um, But it is great to see Nintendo then now add, uh, well, seemingly set to announce the addition of Game Boy Advance and Game Boy Games to the service. It'd be interesting to see how they tackle it, right? You know, you've got Nintendo Switch Online, which gives you NES and Super Nintendo games kind of baked into the service. You can then pay for an expansion pack because that makes total sense. And then that gives you access to a select few 64 and of course the Genesis games that Sean touched on. So it'd be interesting to see if they sell this as a separate expansion pack. Like, are they tackling it where you get your base service and then you just add on different you know, different console generations onto the servers? Are they going to bundle in the Genesis 64 with Game Boy and have, like, you know, the expansion pack plus that gives you both the N64, Genesis, plus Game Boy stuff? So it is a little confusing, but there are some great uh, games lost to the Game Boy and Game Boy Advance. It'd be great to play on the Switch. Like, the Switch is a perfect console, handheld hybrid, and, you know, I want to go play uh, Sonic Advance. Why not? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, I'm I'm not sure necessarily about having multiple expansions because the the, the main oh, expansion is a little I bit expensive not. already. Like you get, like in terms of that, you're getting the Nintendo 64 games, you're getting the Genesis Mega Drive games, but then you're also getting the like expansion pack for Mario Kart. So you're yeah, getting Animal Crossing, as yeah, well, and I Animal think. Crossing, so if you're looking at it in terms of what Nintendo are offering as part of that expansion pack, I'm not necessarily sure that they'll go for, like, a separate expansion pack for the handheld back catalogue as much as that is very much a Nintendo thing. They'd that play. is something they could easily just...
2: do. They better not. I'm, I'm paying more now for that Nintendo subscription service. I aim for Game Pass every month. Like, And what am I getting out of it? The ability to play online on the three games that supported on Nintendo, plus, like, it's some emulated games that might or might not I might or might not play. Like I'm trying to work out a reason why I'm paying for this service and like adding some Game Boy Advance emulation to that is enticing. But if you're gonna go and whack another five bucks a month on then I'm like, all oh, right, I'm out. I don't care. I have emulators on my computer. Mm.
1: So like I don't need to pay yeah, you That guys was for what the- I was going to add. Right. Like Sean, like uh this is Nintendo's way of tackling there, in their eyes, this is them saying, "Look, we're going. Look, we we're, we're we're here for game preservation. Look, we're adding Game Boy games and Game Boy Advance games. But is it like, is it really games preservation? Where it's like, you're not allowing us to have a vast library. What you're going to add, ten, fifteen games? Is it like, do you see this as a good step or a step in the right direction for games preservation, or is this just Nintendo being Nintendo and finding another way to sell us on?" You know games yeah. we want to play. I think it. I think it's
0: both ways. I do feel like uh, Nintendo is going to squeeze these titles out. They they've got the properties, they've got the games, they know they're great sellers in the past. Hit that nostalgia button, get someone to buy it again. I absolutely think that that's part of their mindset. But on the other hand, like you, you could own the original console and play. The original game on the original console, but I feel like that's now for the select few. If you've got people even coming into like a, you know, an EB game store or a JB Hi-Fi, you're looking for that, you know, the the mini NES and the mini SNES because you want to play that collection of games because that's the best way to play it in its in a modern format. And mm. so having the Switch, which we, like we all love the Switch, it's the best console that you can have for, for a Nintendo game player. Why not? Like it makes so much sense to have all of those hit games available on that one platform. And sure, it might get to a stage where Nintendo drops the Switch and they go with the Switch Two or whatever it is, and it make could you be, buy it again. Yeah, it could be completely <laughs> different, and they can make you buy it again. But you, it, you would still be in the same ball, ballpark because they're still selling the game again, so they're getting profit again. But you're still able to play the games on a modern iteration of a console. And I think that's where, you know, you look at Microsoft and what they've done with Game Pass, even just Game Pass itself. That's already a great way to do game preservation because you've got the original Xbox games, you've got 360, you've got Xbox, like, it's all there. And most of the time, a lot of those older retro games, if you have a look at the games that are leaving Game Pass, they're not leaving, they're staying. It's all the new stuff that are going into rotation for three, six months and then pissing off. So... Xbox has done that really well. Nintendo's kind of half and half. PlayStation, we'll see what happens.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the one thing I don't like about what Nintendo do is... uh, Not that I don't like, but I wish they did this in two ways. Like, I think the service is a good idea, right? Like, we know subscription services work to some degree. But I would like the ability to buy things a la carte. Like, I'd like to just go in and buy Super Metroid and just buy Super Metroid for $5 or whatever they want to sell to me for. As opposed to having to sign into the subscription service you know, the Switch dies and they don't make a Switch 2 and it's a brand new console, what happens to those games and that's not to say if I purchased the game a la carte that it would carry through but I just feel like I'm a bit more secure having it, so you know, I'm never, personally I'm not a big fan of piracy or emulation in that sense, but I think that does have a role to play with some games right, like, I think I spoke about it last year when I was going through the Metroid series and to play Samus Returns which is a 3DS exclusive that's never left the 3DS I pirated the game because in my eyes there was no way for me to give Nintendo that money because you can't buy 3DSs new you can't buy the game new it's all second hand and it's going to the you know yeah. other people which is fine there's a market for that and that's that's great but I, I as much as it's a step in the right direction I don't think it truly it's a step in the right direction for giving the player a choice to play old games, but it's not a step in any direction for game preservation, in my eyes. Yeah. Now, Ricky, I know you've got a whole bunch to say. So before yeah. <laughs> before I cut in, well, I'm yes. going to cut in quickly.
0: Um, yeah. yeah. I will say that the 3DS was actually a really great console for that because the 3DS did have a la carte where you could buy the original Game Boy games for $6.50 yes. or you can buy, you know, Pokemon Yellow. Pokemon trading card game. I have these original cartridges. I've got the original consoles. Yeah, I can play them. Great, but the 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 absolute freedom of having it on the 3ds as a digital download. It takes up like three megabytes, and you could just have it in your pocket wherever you are. The 3ds had that, and I do agree with you that the Switch would be better off having it that way. But in the age of subscription, I don't think that's going to happen. Ricky?
2: Mm. Um, I think this is uh, 95% money-making, 5% altruism. Um, We have game preservation. Every emulator that exists, every person that's ever ripped a a Game Boy cartridge, that's game preservation. We've had it for decades now. Um, And the thing is, and we will see what happens when this gets announced and how stable these games are, how well they run on that larger... Know, screen and then eventually obviously playing on TVs as well. but for years, there have been homebrew people out there creating these you know little machines that you plug a Game Boy or Game Boy Advance cartridge into it does all the calculations to then take that you know 300 by 300 pixel image and then manage to blow it up to 1080p4 even 4K now, you can get like that looking. Reasonable, playable, no screen tearing, none of that anti-aliasing stuff that you would have um when you just like plug a, you know, and you plug an n64 into a 4k TV now, and you get all the screen tearing and stuff. Like, people have been working on this for years, and not only just preserving the game in its natural state, but preserving the game in a way that it is going to be continually playable for generations to be to come. So, like, we've had that level of gra- game preservation inbuilt in the community for decades, and Nintendo have done everything they can to <laughs> to yeah exactly to stop that. I'm like why aren't you hiring these people to mm. come in and write the code, build the circuitry that is going to preserve these games to the best of their ability. There have been plenty of discussions about how poorly the NES, SNES and N64 ports have been to the Switch, not stable, can't hold 30 frames a second, like just terrible ports and then you look at all these other companies and small homebrew guys that build these really intricate like one-off machines that just rip you know all the data from a cartridge and then boom it's there stable at 30 frames a second stable at 1080p and it's like we've been doing it in the community for years um the other one too is like uh, have either of you guys ever used abandonware yeah yeah,
1: Is that yeah. Silent Hill? <laughs> no, no, no. no. Sorry. So, so for it's those who don't joke. know,
2: Abandonware is a website you can go onto and essentially it has a laundry list of pretty much every game that every major developer has stopped uh, supporting. No longer available on like uh, GOG, Steam, anywhere you can buy games. It's gone. I was actually looking for uh, Grand, sorry, not Grand Theft Auto, um, Need for Speed Underground 2 uh, the other day. One of I think one of the best game soundtracks ever released. I really enjoyed the game. I was like... I want to see if it's, like, potential to bite anywhere, you know? Just, just to play it, because I love that game. Nowhere supports it. Not even good old games. Like, the fact that good old games doesn't support it anymore is insane. Went onto Abandonware, searched Neverspeed Underground 2, bang, there it was. With an entire, like, all right, here's all the instructions on how to download the game. If you run into, like, these issues, here's what you do, step-by-step step of, like, how to fix any bugs. Like, I know that Josh has said you're not a big fan of piracy and stuff, but I think when you get to end of life... If a developer has stopped supporting a game, screw it. It is open field for piracy. I don't care anymore. I am more than happy to go out there and get a crack copy of a game that a developer has either given up on, or doesn't support anymore, or does not offer a legitimate way to buy in any of their storefronts anymore. I'm just like, screw it. It's you know they've stopped caring. They don't care anymore. Piracy is on the table at that point. Um, for Nintendo games, look. They made it for the longest time until really you got the 3DS and you got that online store. There was no real way to buy like the OG Pokemon games or like a lot of the OG, um, like first generation wave of um Game Boy games. There was nothing, you couldn't get them anywhere. Um, and finally they put them on the, the 3DS store, which was good, but up until that point, once again, it was like, all right, you've seemingly given up on these games I want to play them I have no other way to go about that in this day and age than yeah I've got to go onto to all the emulator sites all the ROM sites and just rip them and, and play them and yeah I'm I'm a bit of an advocate for privacy uh, for piracy I, at, at a certain point there, there's like a certain point you get to I'm just like all right, if, a, if a developer has given up on it if they have no legitimate way of getting that product to you then you know what I'm going to I'm going to engage in a little bit of piracy so at the moment
0: from from what you're saying, Ricky. So you're saying at, yes. at, once it's at end of life, so once the game is no longer supported, then whatever means necessary, in order to play that Free game. Ryan. Okay. Yeah. So then we've got companies. So like, let's just look at the big three, for example. So you've got Nintendo who are continually reselling these games. Sure, they might skip generations, but they are reselling these games. Eventually, Xbox has yes. games as part of the, their subscription service. PlayStation. We're looking at them having uh, a bunch of games connected to their PlayStation Plus service. So, is it just, okay, well, if one of these games, like I remember, um, uh, you know, Conquer's Bad Fur Day on the Nintendo 64, it got an Xbox version, Conquer Live and Reloaded, uh, which also had like an online uh, battle system as Well, well. Yeah. So, the only way to play that was on the original Xbox. There was no other way to play that game, and finding copies was hard. So it would be a game that people would pirate. Then the game was given out as a free
1: game with games with gold. So what do you do there? And that's where it comes down to the ethical question because in the business eyes, it's... Okay, you may not be able to play X game at the moment, but we have plans to remaster it, remake it, do whatever to it in the next five years. I don't think there's any right answer to that question. Like, piracy has a role to play, right? It's done good in some instances where... Games have been lost to time, and if it wasn't for someone pirating these games, they wouldn't exist, and you know the owners of these games lost it. like there was a Mega Man game where um, Capcom completely lost the code to the game, same thing with uh Kingdom Hearts, yeah keeps coming back Kingdom Hearts uh, but that's another example. so I don't think th- there is an ethical role to play. I think it's just each particular game in that moment when you're wanting to play it it's a calculation you need to run in your mind, right. And I'm not saying pirating's good, I'm not saying pirating's bad. You gotta run that. I made that decision with Metroid, because at the time it was impossible to get Samus returns unless I was gonna go track down a secondhand 3DS and pay above and beyond to get a secondhand copy of the 3DS game. So that that is at the end of the day, that is Nintendo's property to not sell. Just because I want to play it doesn't mean I have the right to then get it illegally. Um, but everyone's going to make that choice. And I know I've spoken and we've spoken about this with other topics and, um, other things as well, where you can't, I think personally ever live a hundred percent moralistic ethic life. You can't, you can't, it's impossible. Um, because every decision has, you know, butterfly effect of other decisions and who's manufacturing it, where the parts coming from, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so look, I think it has a role to play just like. What Nintendo is doing, or seemingly going to do, has a role to play. What Xbox is doing with uh, Game Pass has a role to play. And who knows what's happening with Sony, right? Because you look at PS3, you could buy a la carte PS1, PS2 uh, games through the store. Uh, Same thing carried over to the Vita. And then you get to PS4, you could get some PS2 games, but it really started to drop away. And then PS5 plays PS4 games, but you can't do the the 1, 2, and 3. So, and that could all change it. You know, flick of the Switch, you spoke about it last week and what they're looking to do. So I think at the end of the day, like I think game preservation is important. It is a shame that we're not seeing the companies take full ownership of that and embrace it. It is left to the community. And I think there is a place in that community to do things that are not 100% ethically legal, um, but it all has to be within bounds. Like, you know, you're not going to go and, and you hear those stories where um, Metroid Dread launched and within a week there was an emulator running it and people were illegally downloading and playing that game in my eyes that's completely wrong like mercury steam made a great game in metroid dread you need to be there to support the developers or you're not going to get a sequel right it took us that long to get a new metroid game and then i felt i fell in love with the series based on that like it's it's a timing thing and a moralistic choice thing and it comes down to what cards are being dealt and what i can and cannot access um, but, yeah, I don't think anyone on this podcast is sitting here saying, yeah, yeah go, yeah, Metro Dread is a week old, don't pay for it if it's, there's an emulator out there play it on your PC. No, that's not the right thing to do, and I don't think any of us are saying that um, as part of it.
0: Yeah, like, I, I know, like, for myself, in terms of film and TV shows, uh, so I, I use a website, website called Tracked. Uh, to basically like have a look at like what I'm watching and it also tells me what subscription services or you know what free-to-air services like film and tv shows are on so that way okay I know that if I have Netflix okay I can watch these ones but I would need binge to watch these ones so it it kind of lays that out for me if I find something that I want to watch that I can't get anywhere what am I going to turn to well I'm probably going to go put a pirate hat on and I'm going to go and sail the seven seas. Harry. But, like, th- so film already has kind of that system in place where, for a lot of us, if we've got the subscription service, you're not going to download the newest Harry Potter. You'll just watch it on stand if it's on there. Because
1: it's easier. Because, it's the,
0: yeah, it's easier. It's convenient. Yep. And not only that, you feel a little bit better about yourself because it's legal.
1: But Do if it's not available, have you don't care. A vault? I'm pretty sure movies have a vault. Like, once they hit a certain age, they become public domain uh, access. 70 years yeah uh, my God, my God. oh no sorry that's for um no that's for uh, creative yeah, commons sorry for
2: books I, yeah, yeah it is for
1: books yeah. yeah in libraries so i don't know why we can't have a games version of that all right we're not going to wait 100 years to go back and pay well even play if an it's, NES game well, but think about it right now what year did tetris come out what was that original game Boy? so that's well 90s so okay well I'm pretty sure Tetris well, like the, is older, sorry. Yeah. The arcade older, machine
2: yeah. would have been like the 70s. Yeah, yeah. okay.
0: So, okay, let's just say was... let's just say 1980, right? Like right before the NES and all that sort of stuff. So 1980. So if we put a thing saying, okay, after 50 years- it goes, 84. It go, yeah, there you go, 84. 84, so, okay. So NES. Um, it goes into the, so 1984 goes into the public domain. So let's say 50 years it goes in. So at what so you've got 16 you got what I'm trying to do quick maths now uh 2034 is mm-hmm. when Tetris will be part of the public domain. If the original, you would yeah. yeah the original if you were to put it as part of you know whatever um public domain kind of rules you want to put in place. Now in saying that Tetris has a vast amount of different versions that have released over a number of years over a number of different platforms. So what does go into the public domain? Is it the fact that Tetris is still being used today? There are still sequels. It's still being remade. It's still being rebuilt. Or is it that one iteration of Tetris goes into the public domain? Because if that's yeah. the case, then by, at 2034, you'll have developers getting that
1: original iteration and then making their own spins on it. So it has to be the original version of it, and I, go, I keep going for some reason. I have got Metroid on the mind, but yeah. it's like the original Metroid Two on Game Boy is not the version that people would play. They'd play Samus Returns a remake, right? Because you're not gonna play a black and white Game Boy game when you've got a 3DS remake. Yeah, that so has to be the original. And what's good about that is up and comer game developers or you know people that young people that might not have a lot of money or you know young kids or whatever can go back and experience some of these older classic games. And you never know, they could be the next... E.T. Corey Barlog and be game director (laughs) on whatever, or Neil Druckmann. Like, you just don't know. Um, And, you know, talking through it is a little tricky because games are different to movies and all that, where you're not going to see... You'll see those larger movies, right? They'll bring back Star Wars and have it in a nice Blu-ray collection. But for games, it's a little different where they can sell it back to you. that's where it's a bit tricky because why would nintendo go all right let's put the nes library or parts of it or whatever onto a a free domain where we want to sell you kid icarus again we want to sell you the original metroid we want to sell you mario so i think there isn't really a right answer i think the 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 ideal scenario is all three manufacturers within reason where they can within copyright bounds have these games available both via a, a storefront and via a subscription where I don't need to subscribe to get access to Crash Bandicoot 1, 2, and 3, the original, sorry, on my PlayStation. However, I can get those games through PlayStation Plus, Spartacus, or I could pay $4 or $5 to get those games. And I think for both Sony and Microsoft, they've answered that question because we we know now, like, PS6 will most likely play PS5 games, that automatically plays PS4 games. We've kind of got that fixed. Because they're running on a PC architecture, there's no cell, there's no none of that. Yeah, and Xbox Nintendo. We don't that, know yeah. that. They could tomorrow say the Switch is dead. Here is the Nintendo whatever, and you got to wear it on your head and you know strap it to your legs, and it's a completely new system, new this, new that, and you're starting from scratch. So the ideal scenario is people are happy to pay. And and to to Sean's point, like I've done the same thing as well. Like you've gone back to watch a movie, and it's like all right, um, subscribe to the service and get access to it. Do I really want to go on the computer, find a tyrant, do this, do that? If you give people the option, they, I think nine times out of 10, will choose to pay for something based on convenience and being able to sit on your couch and watch it. So just give us the ability to purchase it. But that, that's just my two cents. So Ricky, what would your ideal
0: situation be in regards to game preservation?
2: <sighs> I think that ideally in a perfect world, and I think the reason that the um, community-led game preservation is sort of so prolific is that that money is sort of taken out of the equation. Most of the people out there that are ripping games and preserving them and creating these, you know, programs, codes, cartridge reading um, devices and stuff, for the most part, aren't really making any money out of this endeavor. They might sell a You know the the code or something, or they might sell like a copy of the the cartridge ripper or something. But for the most part, it is preservation for the sake of it's for prosperity. For prosperity's sake, it's like these are important pieces of media. You know, from Pokemon, Mario, all the way down to like some random little pinball game you had on the on the on the original Game Boy. Like every part of it is every game is is valuable to somebody. It's every game is someone's favorite game, and To sort of look at that from a company perspective is oftentimes equates to dollar signs, especially with someone like Nintendo who love, 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 love to resell the same game over and over again. But from the community perspective, it is very much a money is out of the conversation. It is just purely about preserving these pieces of art, these pieces of media for forever. And I think if companies really wanna uh do that in a way that isn't shit. Yeah. <laughs> um that's that's kind of where they gotta land. It's like it's preservation for preservation's sake, not for any sort of future monetary gain. So
0: Yeah. And I guess like to, to wrap it up, uh for video game presentation in my eyes, I think the ideal world would be to you either if, if you're if you're making a game, and I think nowadays we're gonna probably look at it a lot like with a clearer mind when you're making a game. So, let's just say, you know, uh from software's going to make Elden Ring 2 and it's going to be available and everything and all that sort of stuff. There's no like they they'll say, "Okay, well, we're making this game maybe 30 years will be the benchmark. And after 30 years, if it hasn't been like, you know, re-released or whatever, chuck it in the public archive and they have a curated archive." of all retro games from their platforms there should be a stock standard emulator like I I, I think you know we should consider it and look at it as a library and it should be you know public domain public knowledge but that's never going to happen in the day of capitalism because we need money and uh, I'm pretty sure well we might not necessarily buy a new expansion pack but if we all don't have the expansion for the Game Boy Advance games we're probably all going to get it to be honest because why not? Anyway, yeah. we are we are going to move on to the next topic, um, and this is well, I mentioned uh, from Software and, and Elden Ring. This is this is pretty close to it. So uh, there are rumors that there is uh, that Sony is interested in acquiring from Software, uh, who are the makers of recent uh, hit Game of the Year game, uh, Elden Ring, uh, which is something that has been spoken about for years. And now we're starting to see some actual evidence. Uh, so, according to a new report posted by popular gaming analyst and insider Dr. Serkin Toto, uh, the CEO of Tokyo based game industry consultancy at Canton Games, uh, so he said that, yeah, Sony are interested in acquiring From Software. There's a lot of things that are pointing to an acquisition from uh, for From Software, and that it is most likely going to be a thing either this year or even early next year. So, gentlemen, uh, well, Josh, you've got a little bit more to talk about it in regards to Kojima, but uh, I want to hear your thoughts about this first.
1: Yeah, um, starting with this it is a bit of a weird one. It's one of those things where I think we spoke about when Bluepoint were acquired in Housemark where those organic growth studios that Sony keep referring to are running dry in the sense where Sony's kind of drained them and purchased them, right? There, there isn't too many left. From Software do have an interesting history with PlayStation. Like if you don't remember, the original Demon Souls was published by uh, PlayStation in Japan only, uh, and then I think Atlas published it around the world. But Sony had a relationship with From Software back then. Bloodborne obviously is a exclusive to PlayStation. That was another joint between Sony Japan and From Software. So there is a history of those companies working together. Sony also. Last year took a 1.9 or 2% stake in Katakawa, which is From Software's parent company. So Sony's kind of got their tendrils in From Software from an early, early age. Uh, now, this all kind of came about, as it, Sean said, right? These rumors have been percolating in the background for a long time. It all kind of really started where Sony were really publicizing and, and publicly showcasing Elden Ring, right? They had a playstation blog article where all the studios in first party were talking about their favorite bosses from from software games they were promoting the game uh, Elden ring heavily on social media and um it just seemed like this could happen then more recently uh there was the the update to the playstation um banner which added in uh death stranding and the whole kojima production thing came up and everyone thought sony was acquiring kojima productions and that was then confirmed to not be happening. Uh, Kojima himself tweeted that Kojima Productions is staying independent. Um, just note the same thing was then was said about House when that yeah. if you don't if you remember they Sony Japan accidentally updated the Twitter thing and they said no no we're still independent and then like, obviously were <laughs> were acquired after that. Uh, so yeah, I'm not saying that this could happen. I'm just saying just it, it's something important to note because it, it, things can change. So that happened and then an industry insider by the name of Jeff Grubb We've spoken about here on the show, mentioned that Sony's actually looking to acquire that the acquisition Sony's set to make is is um seemingly bigger than Kojima Productions. So that's again pointing to a, a larger acquisition. A lot of a lot of people are speculating in the industry it is a, a, a Japanese um focused purchase. A lot of people think Konami and those IP. There was rumors that Sony was courting uh, Konami to get uh, exclusive access to some of their larger ip metal gear castlevania silent hills uh, as an example but now this has come up uh that sony is is interested potentially in, in purchasing from so i'm interested to hear um sean and ricky as well your thoughts on if this purchase makes sense does from software fit anywhere within first party and you know do you, if it was to happen is it a smart move i think the answer is. And Clearly, yes, with the, the success of Elden Ring, but do you, Sean like do you see From Software kind of fitting in next to Santa Monica, next to Guerrilla Games, for instance?
0: It's an interesting one because I feel like From Software have been really successful being cross-platform, uh, like for for well multi-platform, sorry, uh, for a few of their major titles. And as much as yes, it, it would absolutely work for the Sony's brand and it will kind of fit in with their third-person action-adventure-style games. Um, I feel like, from software, like it is their target demographic. I do feel like Elden Ring sells more on PlayStation than it does on Xbox, and, you know, D- Demon Souls and Dark Souls probably also did the same thing. So, they're probably leaning more into that. It's all Japanese-focused. That makes sense. But, if you still want to get it with the Western market... It, it, you've got to find ways to kind of branch out. And so, you know, kind of restricting yourselves away from the PC market, restricting yourselves away from even a smaller Xbox market, I'm not sure if that would be in their best interest long-term, um, especially with, you know, a new subscription service coming along. How would they feel about their previous games or coming to that subscription service? So there's there's a few questions there. I, I, I think it'd be a great purchase uh by anyone really uh whoever you know was to get from but um yeah i'm not sure if it's the best for them ricky what do mm-hmm. you think
2: i was just having a look at the i was trying to find the split of like sales on what platform though that initial 12 million they made early on um well i can't find that anywhere but i did find uh all of the fromsoft titles sales records and unsurprisingly, the two worst performing are Demon's Souls and Bloodborne because they restricted themselves to one platform. Uh, and it is not even close in the order of millions between Bloodborne and then the next worst-selling game, which was Dark Souls uh, 2. I think that going Sony exclusive, if that was going to be the deal, we don't know because like these deals we've been having aren't necessarily exclusivity deals in the entirety of a game's lifespan. So, like, all the Bethesda games, I think, for the most part, it's, like, potentially going to Xbox first, but also other platforms are going to get it as well. So is it going to be an exclusivity deal? Is it going to be just a, hey, you make games, we own you, we probably get the game first or better or, you know, bigger or whatever. The deal's going to be, but then everyone else still gets it. Um, I know that the PC community for the Souls games is massive, and removing that is a bold move <laughs> because mods and stuff are such a huge part of the life cycle of a of a souls game uh you can't do that on playstation that would be bad and you're going to kill a lot of community goodwill doing something like that so it would depend on the nature of the deal um and it would just sort of depend on yeah what sony really want to get out of owning a company like fromsoft that are very specific in the games they make and have, like, and let's be real, like, they went from sort of making these niche sort of games that very few people loved but loved very passionately to all of a sudden going 12 million in a week. That's a big, like, it took, let's see, I'm having a look here at the numbers. Uh, The best a game had done in a week for FromSoft before this was Sekiro at f- under 4 million in a week? So they've tripled their market share with one game. I don't think it's the time to go, we're going to then cut half that market share off. It seems a bit silly. Now, Josh. That's just my, that's just my opinion, but yeah, um, I think it's a, it'll be interesting to see what the nature of that deal would be. Now,
0: Josh, you're mm. looking mad. What, what's on your mind? No, I'm just thinking through a lot of it. Um, because you're leaning back
1: in your chair, you're like, "Oh,
0: what's going on?" No, no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just thinking
1: through because there's a lot of good stuff in there, right? Like the idea of we're seeing acquisitions play out a little differently than we have in the past. We're seeing, you know, Activision if that acquisition actually goes through, because I feel like every second day there's everyone's trying to stop it. Um, we're seeing Call of Duty seemingly remain multi-platform if what, that was the happen. We saw- psychonauts right And that was a little different because that was promised for other platforms prior to the acquisition and then you've got the bungee stuff which is seemingly staying multi-platform it's interesting right and then you've got sony buying haven studios which you know is going to be exclusive so how this plays out is interesting and i would say if sony was to acquire from software it was it will be an exclusive play However, I think we need to stop thinking that Sony aren't years away from releasing games to PC very early. I truly believe that we are not that far away from seeing PlayStation games launch day and date to PC. You would have asked me a few years ago, I would have said not yet, but with how rapidly mergers and acquisitions are happening, I think they can't not do it. You can't purchase a large player off the field and then just restrict their games to one platform it just doesn't make sense and consoles are still important to Sony that ecosystem is very important to you know Sony and PlayStation but if Sony was to acquire from software I could see maybe you know their games being somewhat PlayStation exclusive but I don't think we're that far off from seeing them gain game- their games launch day and date to pc um very similar to what microsoft's done and in saying that from software games of notorious on pc like they don't really run the best i think i think elden that's, ring that's yeah the,
2: that's the point like that's half the fun like that's what the community builds content around
1: yeah like, exactly you don't get
2: you don't get a sub six minute run of elden ring without the pc port being a bit shit yeah but that's Kind of the beauty of the Souls games, and like the more that I've delved into it, the more I've discovered is like that's the sort of shit that they like. They want a bit of broken, yeah, you know, to sort of to go. How do we exploit this game? How do we like cheese the game essentially and make it as uh broken as possible while also completing the main goal of the game? It's kind of so kind of the fun.
0: So one of the things also, so Josh, when you when you talk about like PlayStation releasing their games onto PC. So mm-hmm. and we're talking. We're not talking Mac and all that sort of. We're just talking PC. So when we look at the major platforms of where PC games are going, they're what Steam, Steam Epic, Epic. Games Store, right? So Steam and Epic Games. So that's probably where
1: you'd go. You, you're not going to release it on um, on Microsoft's storefront. No, and Sony's no. not going to have. I don't see them having their own storefront. We saw Sony again make another. Um, I think another billion dollars or a billion dollars into Epic. And that's probably to partner up with more Unreal. Um, but I think Steam yeah. still makes the most sense for PlayStation. They're seeing success there. So I would say these games would be launching maybe both in Epic. I
0: was going to say maybe Steam. Epic because they've already had deals with like Kenner. Um, they've had deals with uh, God of War. Like they're all on Epic. And they're on Steam as well. Yeah. So yeah, you'd, you'd think that it'd be on both, probably not GOG.
1: No, I I, I just think um, Steam makes too much sense, right? Because I know people personally who play on Steam that even if a game is free on the Epic store, they'll still buy it through Steam because they like just having that one consolidated collection of games that they can kind of see a list and have it all there. Um, But I don't think it hurts launching it in Epic as well. And Like you said, um, and Sony's partnered with Epic again, made another uh, billion-dollar investment. So I think we're getting there, and we're hearing Jim Ryan talk about wanting to... You know, not sell to 10 millions, want to open it up to hundreds of millions. It makes sense. And I think Sonya know that, they're aware of it, but they're cautious not to piss the fanboys off, in quotes, by launching the next Last of Us day and day to PC. But we are not that far away. So if this purchase and acquisition was to go through, Elden Ring had just launched. If they are working behind the scenes on another... Like this game was in production in the same time as Sekiro. Right, So yeah. we're, we're, it's going to take another four or five years before we see the next Eld, uh, the oh, next FromSoft I, game. I,
0: I think it would possibly be less because they've already got the assets, they've got everything there. If they wanted
1: to just copy-paste, which they've done before... I don't think they'll do an Elder Ring too. That's just my personal oh, opinion. Yeah. I think they'll do something no. different. Um, but I think we are still years away from seeing what FromSoftware will do next. So by the time we're at three, four years away, who knows what, what Sony are doing in terms of launching PC... Um, we could be at a point where they are doing that. And then it just becomes, okay, so they're just taking it away from Xbox. Now, I don't necessarily think that's a great thing. I think From Software so- From Software's charm is them working isolated and working on games themselves. Like I think we had the the question last week, um, you know, what makes a Fromsoft game? why can't others replicate what Fromsoft does, yeah. right? We can you can make a Souls like game and have a stamina bar and have difficulty and all that stuff. But what makes a FromSoft game is the tw- is the the quirks, the little things, the you know the the little repeated animations that you you recognise from Dark Souls, little exploits that you know you could do because you've done it in previous FromSoft games and that lineage. It's just like an isolated island. They make their own games. Now you get Sony coming in, and then you get Sony PR coming in saying, "Hey, you know, we want to the way you guys do storytelling is a little." you know, different. We want you to have a more traditional, more cutscenes. Clean more, it up. That, that fundamentally changes what makes a FromSoft game a FromSoft game. It's all about that, you know, reading the item description, doing this, doing that. And I'm only new to it, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm the biggest FromSoft fan. I played Demon's Souls, finished it, and I'm playing Elden Ring. But I know that that is what makes that game, reading, you know, I, I've spent hours watching lore videos on Elden Ring um, because it's crazy what people are discovering just reading descriptions and item descriptions. That's part of it. So if that goes away, that's a part of a FromSoft special source that then gets removed. Um, Getting QA tested to the point where, you know, we spoke about last week Horizon and the idea of, hey, I haven't immediately worked out how to fix this or answer this puzzle. Having Aloy go, hey, why don't you try using the grappling hook and do, like, no, not we don't want that. In saying that, there can be some things I think FromSoft can do better, PC port, um, maybe the way we communicate certain gameplay mechanics sometimes they're not even communicated at all and you find out like 40 hours in that you could do something you're like holy shit I mean I just discovered that while riding horseback if you hit L1 L2 even though you're using a right hand weapon you will swing to the left I've been only swinging to the right on horseback for 35 hours I've only just accidentally got. You know what I mean? Like, that is not communicated to you. So, it those took things. Me, can... Took me 10
2: hours to work that one out. Yeah. But, like, there's, it doesn't, it, it's never explained. I was doing all of my, like, horse battles just going in one right. direction.
1: <laughs> yeah. If you're standing on the left of me, I can't help you. So but... annoying. And that, oh, that's part God. of it. And that's a big part of the special source is that community engagement and, you know, digging through all the items. So, personally, I think FromSoft are better off staying independent. Even though they've got ties with uh, with other companies, they've got publishing stuff with Bandai, uh, Namco. But if Sony was to acquire them, I think it would be a very much, hey, you're part of the PlayStation umbrella. Hey, we want your games exclusive on console and potentially PC, but we will leave you alone. Allah Bungie, and not so much a house mark where you know House Mark's next game is purely on PlayStation. They've got you know the other teams involved in certain things. Um, so yeah, I think if, if it, like to what Sean said, if anyone acquires FromSoft, it's good for them. Like there, there's no way Microsoft wouldn't be like, oh, we, we wouldn't buy FromSoft. Yeah. Like it makes perfect sense. And it does answer the, the Sony Japan thing, right? Not having Japan studios fall away and only having, you know, smaller teams there now. Um, they could fit, but it would fit if they're left alone because I think what they have is special, but they can be cleaned up in some instances. So we'll see what happens. Um, but, you know... More power to From. If I think their their stock price is a little bit higher than it was maybe
0: a few years ago. that's yeah, for sure. They're in a good position. They've got a lot of friends in a lot of places. They've worked with Sony before. They've even worked with Microsoft with um, Dark Souls Three. You got a free code to Dark Souls One.
1: So they've like they got an exclusive game on Xbox. Yeah. Uh, OG Xbox. It was a hack and slash uh, ninja game. I don't know what it's called, but they they've, they've uh, yeah. played the field.
0: Many so, times.
1: Yeah, they just haven't been on Nintendo that much, which. They
0: don't need to be. But anyway, some some food for thought. We are going to move on. Uh, we're going to start talking about uh, some of the upcoming games that are actually coming out this week. Uh, so I've got three of them, and uh, I'll just go a quick roundtable and see if you guys are interested. Uh, so we've got GP 22 comes out on the 21st of April on Windows, uh, PlayStation, Switch, and Xbox. Ricky, you're keen, right? Sure. All righty. And Josh silly <laughs> all right so then we've got the serpent rogue which is coming out on the 26th of april so that uh, next uh, week so next tuesday i think it is uh right after anzac day comes out on windows playstation switch and xbox as well have you guys heard about this game no moving on and the last one is the stanley parable ultra deluxe coming out on the 27th of april for uh P, uh, for PlayStation, Switch, Xbox, PC, Mac, and Linux. So have you guys played the Stanley Parable? I haven't personally. I've heard it's very good. Okay. Ricky, you haven't?
2: Uh, no. Okay. Same. I've, I've heard good things.
0: Yeah. So I, I have played through it. Um, I've done everything in the game except for one thing, uh, which I need to leave the game on for the entirety of a Tuesday. Um, but basically it breaks the fourth wall for video games where it's like you have a choice of how to do things, but also we're telling you how to do it and you need to do it that way. Otherwise you're not doing it. It's, it's very much a, a master and servant sort of uh, dynamic. I would recommend playing it if you haven't, uh, it's on steam, pretty cheap. Otherwise it's uh, the ultra deluxe version is coming on the 27th of April. So that's next Wednesday for, well, from time of recording, of course. Now we are going to wrap up a little bit, Ricky. We've uh, we've had a couple of final thoughts for a few episodes. I'd like you to take your final thought for this episode. So yeah, I,
2: I I did come up with this as we were talking uh, earlier about um, media piracy, and I think passing on to the audience out there. I think just in general, anyone out there is media piracy and that includes music video games movies tv shows whatever is it justifiable do you in your mind make those concessions that i am justified in my actions of stealing uh someone else's creative um uh, uh ideas and media
1: and if you're a real pirate let us know as well,
2: we'll <laughs> yarr
1: Alright. Well, anyway,
0: I think we are going to wrap it up there, so thank you very much to, for watching. We are busy playing something. Uh, don't forget to follow us on social media. So we are on Instagram, we are on Twitter, we are on Facebook. We ha- Obviously here at YouTube, we've got a Twitch there, but I'm not sure if we're going to be using it anytime soon. I don't know. We, we've got to figure out how we're using uh, YouTube for now. But uh, you can catch us all at uh twitter so you can find our uh, our twitter feeds just under Josh uh, just just uh, just down there so we got budget seth rogan for ricky at joshua larosa for josh and at holly praun for myself uh, if you haven't already follow us on twitter and all that i'm pretty sure i've gone through
1: everything now josh you've got something to say if you're listening uh uh you can find us live every wednesday on youtube and if you're watching on youtube we are available on podcast feeds as well so you you, you apple's you know podcast google podcast all those things we're there Give us a five star. I'll settle for a four star. Anything less, can't help you.
2: If you give us a five star review, we will read it out on the on the show.
1: All right. And give then...
2: us a five star review. We will read it out on the show.
1: Okay. In our best pirate voice.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: Oh gosh. Uh, well, that's that also includes Spotify and Mortify and all the other fires and whatever. We're on them all. We're on them all. We're on everything. You have no reason not to watch us every week. Uh, but anyway, I, I've been all listen. <laughs> I've been your host, uh, Sean, for today. I've been joined by Josh and Ricky. Thank you very much, boys. It's been good to have you here, Ricky. You're going to go sort through those Pokemon cards next year.
2: They've been sitting there for weeks. They're all my commons from my last you gotta, opening. I don't care you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta You got to sort that shit. Throw them out. Throw
1: them out. You got to sort that shit, Josh. You're going to go back to Elden Ring now. Uh, I think I might just take it easy tonight. I think I'm I'm not ready for the pain. Nah, like I said last time, I'm going to really work myself up to get into it. I think I'll just sit back with a bit at YouTube now. Naomi will be home soon with the dog, so I'm sure they'll bark up a storm. Yeah, easy. And uh,
0: I'll probably finish off. Uh, I'm watching Falcon and Winter Soldier again. Uh, so I'm up to the last couple of episodes of that. And uh, I'll play a bit of Satisfactory or, I don't know, maybe some Fortnite. We'll see how we go. See, see who's online. But anyway, thank you very much for everyone who has been watching. Hopefully you have enjoyed it. And we shall see you next week.
1: Uh, Josh, do you want to give him the, the nice little saying? It doesn't really rhyme but uh, give us uh, PS3 backwards compatibility natively on PS5 please. Thank you Shu. God bless.